On today's episode of Rice, we'll be reviewing Golden Globe-nominated movie Minari, plus debating trending topics including Trump's acquittal and Chris Harrison leaving The Bachelor. What up, what up, worldwide agents, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. We are recording this live on Monday, February 15, and this is actually our second recording, so it is a little bit shorter because the topics we've already covered, we're not going to cover them again. They will be available on YouTube, but unfortunately, we will not be uh, judging up the first two topics, so it is a bit of a shorter show, so we only have two hot topics this week. Um, If you like this show, please uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out with the algorithm so other people can find us. I'm your host of Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay super cute Asians, and on our panel today is the hilarious and intelligent Leonard Chan. Hey, nice, intelligent, I like it. (laughs) I don't know what it means, but I like it. Uh, Okay, so going into our next hot topic, um, this was the big story last weekend, and um, I'm going to call this topic, uh, This Be Some Dumb Bitches, and this is about the the senators who have now acquitted Donald Trump. They voted in favor of acquittal, um, oh no, they voted in favor of impeachment 57 to 43, but you need 60 to um, convict. So the vote broke down with uh, 50, all 50 Democrats voted for impeachment plus seven Republicans, which is actually two more Republicans than who voted for the fact that they should even have a trial. So, you know, the impeachment managers did a good job. They convinced, um, they convinced two people over to their side. And it's actually like historically, um, it's actually major because uh, there have only been eight votes ever cast for impeachment for um, for somebody voting against their own party. So is these seven votes and also Mitt Romney's vote uh, during the last impeachment are literally the only eight times anybody has ever voted to impeach a president from their same party. So this is actually the most bipartisan impeachment, even though it wasn't enough. Um, but, you know... There are a lot of interesting questions, but where I want to focus this is actually, you know, the blowback to some of these GOP senators who voted for Trump. Um, I think Liz Cheney has been censured by her state GOP party, and they're looking at doing this to some of these other people um, who voted to impeach Donald Trump, uh, to censure them. Um, She's going to be primaried. Uh, So my question goes out to Leonard is, who will regret their GOP, like who from the GOP will regret their votes more? The senators who voted against their own president, um, but who voted with their conscience and will go down in history as not evil, <laughs> or um, but who might lose their seats, um, or the people who will go down in history as completely corrupt and evil. Like which, which side will regret their vote more? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing is we don't know who's going to win, who's going to write the history books, right? So that's going to re- really determine who's going to regret it more. <laughs> so really, like, it depends, like, what's going to come out next about mm-hmm. Trump? Because like, the only reason those senators didn't vote to convict is because they were afraid of getting primaried, right? So oh. 
they're trying to keep their jobs. And I'm sure in their mind, they're like, oh, if I don't vote to, if I vote to, uh, to not guilty, then I get to keep my job and I get to, you know, and obviously some of these senators like believe that Trump is guilty, but they're voting it anyways, because whatever. And then there's some who are insane and they're like, no, he's, everything was fine. Sedition is cool. Mm. Um I don't think the ones who voted their conscience are going to uh, regret it, first of all, because the only the ones who voted to like two of them are retiring. So, like Richard Burr's retiring. I forget the other one. And the other one, like they just got reelected. So they got six years until the next one. And it's like and Romney and Murkowski are they're safe where they are, like Alaska and Utah. They're fine. So nobody who voted to on this with the Democrats I feel really had as much to lose, mm. you know? So like, I don't think it's, I think they got to, I don't think any, I don't think either, like maybe the people who are gonna be branded as traitors forever, hopefully <laughs> might uh, might regret it, but I doubt it. I, I don't, I think they think they're on the right side of history and um, mm. they're wrong, but yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, you saw Mitch McConnell's speech, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember watching it live and I had to go back. I was like, but this, I mean, hold on a second. Like, no, but this motherfucker voted not guilty, right? Like, because that's not what the speech said at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, it was like, the words don't fit. And yet he's still acquit. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I swear these senators and these Trump supporters, it just feels... Honestly, it feels like I'm watching a Harry Potter movie. Like, you couldn't write more evil villains. Like, they're so comically evil, like, cartoonishly evil. It doesn't even seem like real life. I, I don't even understand. Um, yeah, because I remember when I watched Harry Potter, when I read the books, I was like, what type of organization would have this much red tape that they wouldn't, like, get rid of an evil person who's clearly evil? Who would... And then I'm, I'm watching this, and I was like, clearly Harry Potter was right. There are people this ridiculous who will stand oh, in yeah. the way of getting rid of somebody super evil. Um, and they will they will prop him up with their idiocy. It's just, it's just honestly happening. I, I don't understand. All you can say is I'm lucky that i don't live in the u.s i get so frustrated hearing this news and you know obviously it affects us because we're their neighbors but it doesn't you know it's not like i'm waiting for this like a pitiful yeah. check for 1400 or other crazy shit that's happening in the u.s so yeah i mean the borders are closed so it's actually nice there's a little bit of a firewall because other like prior to this it was like it felt bad because it's like we're living in like an attached townhouse <laughs> and we're like <laughs> laughing at our neighbors on fire. It's like that's not great. Like we're gonna get fucked. Mm. So yeah, um, yeah. This is not. It's not a good day for America. But we'll see what happens going forward. Like because I mean, McConnell still did say it was like, hey, you know, like there's still the criminal court system. I was like, yes. okay. I mean, that's encouraging. <laughs> if uh... honestly, I've, Trump just needs to be punished and punished severely because. Just losing an election is not enough to deter the next Trump. Like, there needs to be real oh, yeah. consequences, whether it's being sued or going to jail or something. But, you know, there's just too many advantages to, you know, you know, trumping up these, like, 
racial divisions in order to further your career. And unless something really bad happens to him, somebody else who's smarter than Trump will come up and uh, use the same tactics, um, but will be yep. less like stupid about it, you know? Um, yep. So I don't know. This is this is sad, but obviously we will monitor the, monitor the situation ongoing. I really was hoping not to have to talk about Trump too much in 2021, but <laughs> you know, bitch just won't go away um, yeah. until he goes away. Uh, yeah, he he just needs to be arrested or something. Please, Dominion <clears throat> and Smartmatic, add him to your 2.7 billion dollar. Um, Lawsuits. Oh, that was one thing. Uh, Georgia is now criminally investigating them for that ridiculous yes. phone call um, with their secretary of state asking for the 11,000 whatever votes plus one. Um, so hopefully the court systems will will get him because these senators certainly didn't have enough of a backbone to uh, to go into it themselves and to do their job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, now we're going to go on to our final topic of the week, which to our podcast listeners is... Two hot topics, two hot hosts. We're doing well. It's only our (laughs) second hot topic of the week. And this one I I call By Felicia, and it is about yet another uh, straight white guy getting canceled. And this week's straight white guy getting canceled is Chris Harrison um, from The Bachelor. And you know what's funny? This is actually more complicated than it seems um, because he didn't actually do the bad thing himself. He was defending racist actions. So um, for those who don't know, Chris Harrison is host of The Bachelor ever since the beginning. There's been 25 seasons. He was being interviewed by the series' first black bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay, um, who works for Extra now. And uh, they were talking about a current contestant named Rachel, a, a different contestant. So the, the the interviewer was also named Rachel, but they're, they're two different people. So there's a current contestant, Rachel, who is a graphic designer. Um, and she was, uh, she was photographed at a Southern antebellum-themed party um, at a fraternity in 2018, um, you know, where it's... Uh, it's uh, they pretend like the, oh or not actually pretend i think they actually rent out a plantation um and and have their party there and so uh what chris harrison has done is he was on the interview and he was really dumb um he so you know actually i'll, I'll break it down this way at first i thought the comments weren't so bad at first he was just saying you know what we haven't heard from her yet um you know she was she was young um she was uh, early 20s. She hasn't come out and made a statement. We just have a photo, so let's hear what she's going to say. Um, which I was like, okay, you know what? That's not the worst thing to say in the world. Yeah. It's like, not great, but yeah. you know what? But it's, it's not a cancelable offense. Yeah, and, but then he, he continued, and then he was like, in any way, it was 2018. It's not like it's 2021. Like, yeah. is we, this... We saw the world under a different <laughs> lens, is what he said, in 2018. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Okay, first of all, I need to tell white people, you (laughs) saw the world through a different lens starting with George Floyd. Visible minorities, we have felt that for a whole life. So it wasn't like this, like, 
you know, hallelujah moment. Like, uh, my mind is, like, has escaped the matrix. Like, we've always already <laughs> been living with this screaming into the other. And just because you have finally, yeah. you know. But the thing, so the tough thing is, you know what? It's like, I think it, it, it's still a tricky line because I'm, I'm feeling two ways about it. Because one way, I'm like, you know... F this cancel culture movement of people being mad at quote unquote cancel culture. Cause the only time they're mad about cancel culture is when we're canceling straight white guys. Where were these cancel culture defenders of Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> like, yeah. it's like if you're not a, or of Janet Jackson, it's like when you're not a straight white guy, they don't call it cancel culture. They just call it like bitch be gone. Um, and then yeah. these same people are so offended. And then on the other hand, it's like these straight white guys. They aren't even canceled. Like Louis C.K. ain't canceled. That bitch is doing pretty well. I'm sorry. Like they just go away for a couple months and then they come back stronger than ever. Just like this Chris Harrison's gonna do. So there's that side of it. But on the other side of it, and I know this is gonna be controversial because I think a lot of our listeners are quite progressive. I'm kind of like, you know, it's I, I hate to say where do we cross the line because uh, this is like where Republicans and conservatives try to go. But I was like, there's being held accountable for something you do, but then being held accountable because you apologized for something somebody else did. And I was like, I don't know. It's like he he wasn't at the party. He just said some stupid shit. Um I don't, I don't, I don't really know. It's like, uh, it's, and I, I get it. He's, he's upholding, like, he's definitely not an ally. He's not helping things. He's, mm-hmm. he's keeping the current system in place and being like, so like unaware of things in a position of power is helping to keep the current power structures. But that's not the same as like, you know, actually doing it yourself. I, I don't know, Leonard, where, where do you stand on this? Well, I mean, he was monumentally idiotic. Yes. Uh, like, for him to say what he said is basically like, yeah, like, oh, until George Floyd died, none of this was, we didn't know this was a problem, so it's cool. No, you should have known it was a problem. That was the problem. The problem is that you didn't know it was a problem. Like, things don't just become racist once enough white people realize it's racist, you know? Like, it was always <laughs> fucking racist. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think like the person who interviewed Chris Harrison was like, "Well, if I was at this party, like, what role am I playing at this party, right?" Yeah, because it was an African American woman who was interviewing them, so it was just like, "Yeah, it would not be good. You would, it would not be fun for you. Like, you would be best case scenario, you're serving them drinks." <laughs> you know? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's not cool. It's not cool what he did. I mean, if you think about it, like in his defense, it's a pandemic, so 2018 did feel like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bad thing was at first he said it was five years ago, but it was really just 2018. He just like, I don't know, dude. You just gotta get if you're gonna defend racist racist acts, you just have to uh, get your facts straight. I don't know. It was. It was a total mess. I just feel, okay, so here I'm going to personalize it a bit where it might get me into trouble, but I feel like, you know, in in comedy, there's like a lot of (laughs) racist straight white guys. And for me, 
like, um, you know, the comedy community has, like, condemned people, but also now it's sort of stretching to the point where if you don't condemn them as well, then you're getting condemned. So it's just sort of like, I just feel like it's one thing to condemn somebody for doing something, and it's another thing to condemn somebody for not condemning somebody else. I don't know. I'm just, it's still, I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Well, this is the thing. It's like, it's not like he, if he didn't condemn them by saying nothing, fine. Mm. But he said things, like he vocally defended them in the media in ways that were really monumentally stupid. And you know what? That's fine. But here's the thing. He's going to be back. It's fine. Like, he'll learn. He'll figure out what he did wrong, hopefully. And then he'll come back. Yeah. Right? You know what? Oh. Listen, Leonard, you have convinced me on this. Listen, I was trying to play devil's advocate and have some sympathy for a straight white guy. But I just I just can't even pretend for the whole segment. I just have, to, I just have you know, like you said, he'll be back. He'll face almost no consequences. One thing I'll say, too, is it's like... A lot of these people getting canceled. So also, like uh, this week was 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 a Gina Carano. Um, and oh, the thing yeah. is, they both work for Disney. Like I don't know what to tell you, people. Like it's not it's not cancel culture. It's called that's business. <laughs> like you have to know <laughs> the company you're working for. If you're working for Disney, you better be squeaky clean. I, I don't know what to tell you. So uh, yeah, that's just making a pure business decision. Um, but like like you said, he will be back, um, and it, uh, probably not too many consequences. So, so there we go. <laughs> like you know, it wasn't like Disney didn't like Walt. The man Walt Disney himself was also problematic. Like he yeah. probably would have been canceled if the rumors are true. Uh, it was like you know he intended meetings of like pro Nazi organizations. He can't I... do that. I mean, yeah, this is the 1930s, but, you know, uh, that led to things. <laughs> mm. You know what? That makes me think of Snow White in a whole, in a totally different, uh, different, like, you know, those little dwarves, they had pretty pointy hats, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> you never, you never know. You never know what's behind this imagery. And, you know, when they're first introduced, you see their shadow first. So you don't actually know that they're not like KKK. You just see their shadow walking. Anyway, that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but, you know, that's what we love to do here. <laughs> uh, stretch it out to the extreme to, to, to get a laugh um, at white people's expense. That's, uh, that's our whole spiel. Okay, anyway, um, let's go to our movie of the week. And this week's movie of the week is Minari by Lee Isaac Chung. And this movie debuted at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival. It won two audience awards. It's been nominated for a Golden Globe. It is, um, uh, let's see, it is uh, starring Stephen Yun, Han Yuri, Alan Kim, um, Noelle Kate Cho, and uh, they had to throw in a white guy there, Will Patton, who actually was pretty good in his role. Um, as I mentioned, it's both written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And the movie is about a married Korean couple who moved to Alabama with their two children to start a farm and search for a better life. So uh, let's head on over to Leonard. And what are your general thoughts of the movie Minari and its writing? 
Uh, it was great. It was really well written. It was a really wonderful movie about family and like what it means to be in a family and uh, like sacrifice and marriage and all that stuff. Um, like all the major story twists uh, were like perfect, perfect uh, in promoting that theme. Uh, and I forget. Are we talking about spoilers and shit? I forget. I always forget. Uh, okay. Let's let's just say it's spoiler warning. Total spoiler yeah. warning. Uh, if you don't turn away now, it's your fault. So uh, go okay. ahead, Leonard. <laughs> um, so yeah, like so you know, like uh, so you have Stephen Yoon who's like trying to build this farm, uh, and it's hard, of course, and uh, and it's like breaking his family apart. It's like causing like them to get a divorce. But then at the end when the whole thing goes, like, when the barn goes up in flames, like, you know, she, his wife, who wants to leave him because he's obsessed with his farm, goes in to help him pull all the, the, the produce out because, they, you know, even though she was going to leave him anyway. So, it's like, it's just, in time, it's, it's just, like, in, it's really well written. It's, like, in times of crisis, that's when you really see what things mean to a person and what their priorities are and whether they're going to help you. And then that's, and it's, it was beautiful how it all kind of uh to tie together um and it was yeah and the, the thing that i don't really understand i mean i understand the rules regarding like how the nominations work at the golden Globes, but this is like a korean american filmmaker and was dealing with a lot of american themes mm. <laughs> and the fact is because 70 percent of the movie was spoken in korean it had to be nominated as a foreign film which is like are you fucking kidding that's like with the godfather 2 was a foreign film you know i'm <laughs> just speaking italian it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah you know this movie it, it's it's interesting because i found it if i could describe it in one word i would say like meditative like it's yeah. a it's a perfect type of movie because, you know, I've been watching a lot of TV and movies and I started to think like, what do I like better in a movie versus a TV show? And for me, I find with movies because it has your full attention because, you know, in, in, in usual times, um, when you're in a theater, it just really grips you. All the small details matter. So you could have like this more meditative kind of movie you kind of invest yourself in and all the small little details work whereas like with tv i'm usually like um multitasking while it's on so um what i liked about this is it did have that feel you know i i am a very character driven person more so than than a plot driven person so for me I really like when the character arcs have narrative integrity and it makes sense, the character choices, and they feel believable. And that's completely what this movie had. I really, you know, like, to me, I really, really gravitated toward the mom. Um, mm. and the Wait, the, mo- oh, the mom? Not the grandmother, the mom. Yeah, no, not the grandma, the mom. Although I like the grandmother as well. But, like, the relationship between husband and wife... You know, even though I more gravitated toward her and her struggle in trying to support her husband, like the husband was written in a way where I was like, I can totally see that. Like, I might not agree with it, but I can see that as a real person who makes real choices and, you know, is really trying his best for the family. Um, I think the the relationship between the grandma and the son was also kind of cute. I will say, like... I've never met a grandma that is that forgiving if somebody makes her drink pee. <laughs> like, that is not any Asian grandma I've ever met. Like, that would be the yeah, end well, for that little I boy. Mean, she, got, she burned that motherfucker to the ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> she got her um, revenge. 
<laughs> the only the only character I will say that I feel like um, probably had no basis in the movie and probably didn't make it any better was the daughter. I didn't really see her point. I think this was semi-autobiographical, so maybe she was just included because she's a real-life person. But yeah. I didn't really understand. Like, you could literally remove her and nothing else changed. And I don't tend to like movies with characters that aren't involved at all. Um, and then, you know, then they have various white characters um, who, you know, are just sort of window dressing and presented as kind of loopy and a little crazy. So I, I'm totally okay with that. Um, and I thought... Yeah. Will it's, pa- it's also, it's Arkansas. I feel like that was probably quite accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old, good old Arkansas. Um, the, the one thing I will say, Leonard, it's interesting um, with what you thought about, you know, the fire and how it ended. Um, I actually felt like, like a lot of Asian movies, I feel like they put in a twist needlessly um, at the end. It just felt kind of forced and fake to me, the fire and then the happy ending resolution. To me, that's what made it a, a Korean American film as opposed to a Korean film. I feel like her conversation with him after the grocery store um, uh, decided to carry their bodies. Yeah. For me, that was the end of their arc. I was like, I've seen this arc. Like this is where they've come to. Um, It's really sad, but this is where like their choices have led them. And I didn't need like a miracle fire burning bush to bring them all together i was like no wait a minute you just undid everything i was with you and this honestly i just i just didn't i don't know i always feel like asian movies not asian american but just asian asian movies usually will finish and then add on like an extra uh scene or two that just undoes everything and that's how i felt here version of the movie they decide to get divorced. Yes. And then the movie ends. For me... And then, so then she takes the kids and goes back to California. So Stephen Yoon is back in, stuck in Arkansas. I don't know where the grandmother goes. I assume the grandmother goes with them to California because they need hospital shit. And he's just there toiling on his land by himself and then dies. And then he... And then because then... Uh, I mean... I, because I, they go back and now the farm's burned down, right? So now <laughs> if she still decides to leave after the farm burns down. Uh, I, I mean, but then the Minari, the whole Minari, the, the whole point is the Minari at the end. Oh, right? Wasn't that nice when it's like now growing <laughs> up the land, like the water was there, it was the whole thing. I don't know. Listen, I, I feel like they could have gotten to a happy resolution in another way, this just didn't feel earned. Like, this is not where their character choices took them. Their character choices didn't take them to, like, a burning barn that then literally solved everybody's problems, and now they're one big happy family. I was like, this, to me, it just cheapened the movie. I was just like, oh, I was like, they... I don't think it, like, solved... I mean, it didn't... I mean, shit's gonna be hard for them. They gotta be with all that goddamn barn. They don't have any money. But it's like... It showed, I think, it showed uh, Stephen Yoon, I can't remember the name of his character, but it showed him and even proved, I think, to the wife that she did care. Like, she hadn't given up, even though, you know, she said she had, because it was just so hard, and she wanted to leave. And especially, like, when she heard that, like, 
Because she, she wanted to leave. She was trying to use her son's heart condition as an excuse to leave, to go back to California. And when she found out it was like healing on its own, she's like, motherfucker, basically, right? <laughs> she was mad about that. She was like, yes, great. I'm happy that my son's not going to die, but now I don't have a reason to leave. Mm. She just wanted to leave. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, maybe she still leaves. I mean, there's no... Like, well, it doesn't show for sure they're staying. They all slept together on the floor. Maybe the grandmother murdered them all when she was, like, watching them. Honestly, even with the burning, it just was too out of left field. It's just too convenient. And, like, I don't I don't like plot-driven movies. I like, like, character-driven. And it just, that, yeah. it was just such a weird plot. Even if they threw me a bone of, like, if they foreshadowed it by, like, the grandma's stroke leading her to do something else stupid, like, earlier on. Like, just to show her, like... I don't know. You just have to foreshadow it. Like maybe she forgets something in the laundry. I don't know. Just show me that she did something like she's deteriorating. Don't go from, oh, bitch had a stroke. And then, you know, now she burned down the whole house. Like, I don't, I don't really know. It was just so, it, to me, it just felt out of left field. And if, my version of the movie will end with that conversation. I felt like that conversation after the grocery store was so yeah. well written. It was so the culmination of the whole film. And it was just so heartbreaking. But I felt that's a real life conversation. That yeah. is something I can see her saying. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But it's real. And then yeah. and then they did what they did. But you know what? So basically you're mad because they, they earned the heartbreak. But they didn't earn the reconciliation. Yes, yes. Even if they did another scene with the Minari, like, somehow, even if the Minari was the thing that saved them, because at least they showed the Minari earlier, like, they went to the thing, they didn't really earn it, they didn't really, like, grow that part of it, but, like, I could see threads there that they were laying that could get me there after, after that heartbreaking conversation, you know, Something could happen that brought me back, but not a random fire. I don't know. I didn't, I was not feeling that fire, but it's still a masterpiece. Um, and just to wrap it up, we now have a new, we now have a new movie scoring system. And, uh, so I will ask Leonard, um, does Minari bring shame to our ancestors or (laughs) does it bring honor to us all? I say it brings honor. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I will also say that this movie brings honor. Um, just a small caveat, but honestly, if you get to that conversation and turn it off, um, then you'll just love it even more. And that is the... I will probably go into my files and delete that last part and rewatch it and like put the credits right after just so I can live my version of the film. Because that version of the film deserves an Oscar, deserves a Golden Globe. Right. So basically, I'm just, I want to see like all of Vong's edits for movies. It's like Toy Story 3. They're like going down the, the avalanche towards the, uh, the flames and they're like holding their hands. They're all ready to die. Fade to black. That's it. <laughs> That's the end of Toy Story 3. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to be so negative. It actually is a brilliant movie. And I'm only just so heartbroken because I loved it so much. And it was a perfect movie to me until it added that. But, you know, at least it added it right at the end. So it's easy to edit it out. So, you know, <laughs> thank you, Lee Isaac Chung, for, for that. Yeah.
just going to edit out the most expensive shot in the film, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, thank you Leonard for being on this show. Thank you listeners for coming through our technical difficulties with us. Um, I'm your host Vong show official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. This was a rice Asian comedy podcast and that's what's up.